G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, the only national program focusing on union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. This program is produced in Melbourne for 3CR and the Community Radio Network with the support of the Community Radio Foundation on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and we pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. COVID has exposed a great many weaknesses in the Australian work landscape. With harvest season afoot, employers in the rural industries are crying at a lack of workers to bring in the crops. In an extraordinary twist, one Queensland lychee farmer has reportedly been forced to fall back on a mostly local workforce for the first time since the COVID virus pandemic has forced him to rely on almost 100 locals to get fruit picked and packed. In fact, growers are being urged to consider higher wages and incentives to attract and retain Australian workers. A recent report coming out of the McCall Institute focusing on the New South Wales mid-north coast 2019-2020 berry harvest made some pretty damning findings about how our food is being harvested at the expense of foreign labour, which does not just apply to the focus of the study. For example, wage theft is a business model. Working holiday makers in the area have alleged gross underpayments orchestrated through an intentional misinterpretation of peace rates. One WHM documented earning as little as $21 in a seven-hour work day after being asked to work on low-yield crops by his subcontractor. They found coercion evident at all levels, illegal labour hire practices and a culture of silence. If you had been following this story of rural decline because of labour shortages from the point of view of the business class, and the federal government, you may also have heard that the lack of shearers is also a problem. Today we talk to Bernie Constable, a shearer and General Secretary of the Shearers and Rural Workers Union, for a clearer picture of the situation on the ground. But first, some union news. Queensland teachers have been instructed by the Queensland Teachers Union not to report on NAPLAN results, deliver regular practice tests or issue awards for student achievement in an attempt to stymie the controversial assessment. The new strategy followed the union's failed appeal last week in the Industrial Court of Queensland against the QIRC decision which found the QTU's banned of NAPLAN in October last year, was unprotected industrial action. Queensland Teachers Union President Cresta Richardson said while the Industrial Court had made its determination, the union still held long-term concerns around NAPLAN and would continue to campaign against its use. We have a real opportunity to alter what data is collected because NAPLAN is not fit for purpose and the data has been so disrupted over the past three years, Ms Richardson said. 
New figures from the Department of Mines Industry Regulations in Western Australia show Western Australian mine workers are being seriously injured on the job at a rate of more than one a day, a damning statistic after companies were warned about fatigue management during the early days of the coronavirus pandemic. Longer rosters were introduced to limit exposure during the coronavirus outbreak. Of these injuries, 339 occurred on the surface and 39 in underground mines. State mining engineer Andrew Chaplin said 87 of the serious injuries reported involved either an amputation, fracture or crush injury. These figures are a reminder that we still have too many workers being put in harm's way, he wrote in the report. Good news for community support workers of the Central Goldfield Shire Council in Victoria who, with the help of their union, the Australian Services Union, the ASU, will receive almost $100,000 owed to them after the organisation failed to pay travel allowances for three years. The Shire's 31 community support workers who provide personal care, respite care and property maintenance service did not receive a travel allowance when using their private vehicle for work. An employee contacted the union, which investigated and intervened on behalf of its members. The amount owed was $97,986.09. 64 Brisbane construction workers have been hit with personal fines of $1,750 each by the Federal Circuit Court after they took strike action in defence of flying CFMEU union flags on site in 2018. The Australian Building and Construction Commission, the ABCC, took the 64 workers to court for illegal industrial action following a one-day walkout on 11th of September 2018. The workers on a luxury apartment project in Brisbane Fortitude Valley reportedly walked off the job in protest against the removal of union flags by Japanese-owned builder Icon. In his decision to find the workers, Judge Michael Jarrett noted about the strike that whilst it is objectively serious, it falls at a lower end of the scale and that financial loss was minimal. The $1,750 fines are a fraction of the maximum $42,000 penalty that workers could have been hit with. The timing of the fines comes as the construction industry await the decision of the ongoing case between building giant Lendlease and the ABCC over clauses in the building code in relation to the legality of displaying union insignia, posters and flags on building sites. The ABCC only pursued the individual striking workers and did not attempt to prosecute the union or its officials, despite two officials being on site when the walkout took place. It's not the first time the court has issued individual construction workers with fines, but it may be the first time that only the workers have been fined. The ABCC is also pursuing 53 steel fitters, who attended the ACTU's Change the Rules rally in April 2019, though the court is yet to make any decision in that case. 
This week, the Australian Council of Trade Unions, the ACTU, launched an advertising campaign against the federal LNP's government's omnibus bill of industrial relations changes. This follows a social media, TV and radio campaign already launched by the CFMEU and the Electrical Trades Union attacking the proposed laws. Prime Minister Morrison said at the National Press Club on Monday that the bill represents modest changes to industrial relations. Judge for yourself. The industrial relations laws entered into Parliament before Christmas break include removing rights to back pay from misclassified casual workers, stripping these workers of up to $39 billion in claims, giving employers control over part-time workers' duties on a flexible basis and getting rid of the better overall tests when new agreements are struck, allowing employers to force workers into lower pay and conditions than already exist. For workers employed on large construction, mining and resource projects, their wages and conditions will be locked in for eight years under the mooted legislation. Despite 30 years of stagnant wages, an Australian workforce at 30% casualisation and a return to $40 a day social security payment for the unemployed set for March, the Morrison's government continues to say lower wages, increased job insecurity and reduced conditions will create a revitalised Australian economy. 13 seats that helped decide the last election, including Reid in Sydney and Chisholm in Melbourne, will be hit with billboards and media ads delivering a union message underlying that the industrial changes will cut wages, reduce job security and hurt the economy in the ACTU's advertising campaign. There are rumours that there may be a federal election later this year. Oxfam has released a report called The Inequality Virus, showing a dramatic rise in inequality as a result of the COVID pandemic. It found the pandemic had ushered in the worst job crisis in more than 90 years, with hundreds of millions of people now unemployed or out of work, while the world's 10 richest men have seen their combined wealth increase by half a trillion dollars since the pandemic began more than enough to pay for a COVID-19 vaccine for everyone and to ensure no one is pushed into poverty by the pandemic. In an Australian context, 31 billionaires have seen their fortunes increase by nearly $85 billion since pandemic was declared. The latest figures from the Bureau of Statistics show that the richest Australians have further increased their share of the nation's wealth. Such extreme inequality meant billions of people were already living on the edge when the pandemic hit. They did not have any resources or support to weather the economic and social storm it created, the report said. You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. Today we get another perspective on what is happening for an industry affected by apparent labour shortages because of COVID. I caught up with Bernie Constable, a shearer and member of the Shearers and Rural Workers Union. Uh, well, members, A, in the shearing industry, 
uh, everyone is working that wants to work. So everyone that wants a job at the moment has got a job. Um, irrespective of all the talk of a shear- shortage of shearers, there is no shortage of shearers and there never has been a shortage of shearers. It's just that everyone wants a shear at the one time. So, uh, you know, everyone in the lead up to through the spring into the early summer wants to, wants to shear. And then they don't really worry about um, my members um, in the off season. Like, that the average cocky couldn't give a bugger with a shearer sitting down over winter or anything like that. So what you're saying is that the industry doesn't plan, it just demands. Well, well, look, there, there is a, um, a degree of urgency during the spring and early summer to get some types of sheep shorn, but um, there is other types of sheep that can be put off till when things are quieter and would spread income even more evenly for... Um, Shearing industry workers, that's shearers and shed staff and anyone associated with, say, the wool industry. Um, it's just simply, it's always been a feast or a famine in this industry. Most of the talk about a shortage of shearers has cu- comes from the blue blood coffee so that families been on the same property for generations and they want to start when their father and grandfather want to start the exact same date. And if they can't start within a couple of days of that date, there must be a shortage of shearers. And then there's also the, the National Farmers Federation that would like to see a position where so many people get trained up to be shearers and shed staff, but they will only be happy when there's half a dozen shearers camped under a tank stand waiting for someone to either get the sack, to snatch it, or to get injured. And that, that has been basically how the shearing industry has been governed by the, um, the blue blood squatters since the 1860s, probably. And that's where most of the talk, or most of the, I'll say, won't say talk, I'll say chatter comes from as far as the shortage of shearers. I was going to say also the, sh- the shortage about shearers in regards to um, New Zealand shearers haven't been able to get to Australia because of the COVID problem. Um, most of that chatter is coming from contractors that pretty much exclusively employ New Zealanders. And if they can't get their workforce over, then suddenly a contractor with no staff is no longer a contractor. And that, and that, <laughs> and that sort of uh, panics a few of these people that wouldn't give an Australian a job. They'd rather get a, a Kiwi up and going. Uh, they wouldn't train a learner or anything like that. And that's, that's where you hear most of the chatter at the moment from them to them people as well. So you're, what you're saying is that there are enough shearers here it's just that the uh, yes, there is. employer class are inflexible. Pretty much, yes. And, you know, it, it, cheering or labour in general is, is viewed as a commodity by a lot of these people, particularly the employer class. And if you've got a surplus of labour, then you can drive down wages and conditions. It, and that has always been the same. That's why they've encouraged a dramatic amount of foreign labour, both in the shearing industry and every other industry, you know, particularly the, the fruit industry, which is another industry going through these uh, these situations where they can't get enough labour. They've drove it down so far that they say Australians don't want to pick. Australians don't want to pick for nothing. I, I can talk to this simply because I'm in my 35th year as a shearer, as, in, as well as being a, um, an official of the union, I'm a rank-and-file shearer who's shearing full-time. And... Um, in, in past times, I've always had to go away fruit picking in the, the, um, 
February, March and April because there was no work unless you went a long way up north. And I'm based in, in Western Victoria. You had to go pretty much to the Queensland border and above to get work in the, the, um, the February, March and April. So I've had to supplement my income as a fruit picker. I did 37 seasons as a fruit picker, mostly in Shepparton, but also done work up through Queensland and um, I worked on the bananas over in the West. Um, I've also done a couple of seasons overseas. So I've sort of got a fairly good grasp of the situation, which a lot of people probably wouldn't have because they, they only hear what the media wants to, to tell them. Logic says that if there's there's a shortage of labour, that the people who are available should be getting better pay and better conditions. Market forces should dictate that. But the thing is, some of these grower groups would have you believe that they would plough crops in to the ground or let crops fall off trees onto the ground um, rather than pay better wages and provide better conditions. Now, I've, I've worked in orchards where... You couldn't get cool drinking water. You wouldn't have toilets. You know, you would, you'd, you'd pick and you'd be on piece rate, which I think is the best way to, to pick, actually. But um, a lot of people will debate that issue with me. But uh, I've had a situation where you'd go into a shed, you'd, you'd take your bins into a shed on the back of a trailer, and there's no one there to unload them for you. So you're sitting around while some um, grower is... Um, not being overly uh, uh, enthusiastic about unloading stuff, so he, they're actually costing you money because you're sitting around not working because you only get paid what you, you, you do in a lot of situations. So, <laughs> yeah, and I think the, the worst part about all of this is um, employment contractors um, because they're the ones that are um, exploiting the people so that the... the the producers can actually dodge and weave and say, not us. Um, I'll, give you, I'll, 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 I'll give you an example. 10 or 12 years ago in the Goulburn Valley, up around the Shepparton area, and um, they employ enormous amount of people to pick to harvest pears and apples and peaches and various other crops. 10 or 12 years ago, there was no employment contractors in the Golden Valley, and now probably 70% of the work is done by them, and a lot of those people will not employ local pickers, Australian pickers, because they cannot, because they can't exploit them. And uh, Australian pickers won't won't put up with being put in a house of 30 other people and charged $100 a week. Now, the federal government is talking about giving relocation money, and that's something to get people out to harvest. They'd be better off putting that money into giving grants to growers to actually um, either build pickers' huts or restore pickers' huts that all of them had. So at least they'd have, um, you could break their, um, their themselves out of the grip of employment contractors. Have your members seen more money and better conditions because there is a labour shortage, in inverted commas? In the shearing industry, uh, yes. There's, um, I know people are getting paid more simply because, well, well, another thing too, this year has been a startlingly good season. Um, there's been plenty of tuck around for the sheep and everything's going pretty well, so the sheep are huge. So you're... Um, you're trying to deal with sort of 80 and 90 kilo ewes. Um, 
and you know, it's, when when they're big and fat, they take a lot of uh, manipulating to get them out on the pen and to hold them down. They're strong, so they they're throwing the shear all over the board. And I know for a fact that there is um, quite a number of people actually um, getting more. You know that there is uh, in the federal pastoral industry award. There is a provision for paying for stud sheep. The stud sheep are always generally bigger, and you've got to look after them a bit more. And there's been people paying um, stud rates, which is one and a quarter, um, for uh, to get their big usual, which is good for the members because it's, it's recognising the effort that's going into shearing those things. But I'll give an example um, of how behind the eight ball the shearing industry is for wages. And I'll talk about the piece rate for shearing. You get paid at the moment, the award rate is 325 per 100. Shearers and Real Workers Union rate has always been a bit higher than that, but it's not the award rate. It's just the rate that our members agreed to, to charge as the minimum agreed rate. Um, now, for the, the award rate, the shearers through the 50s, 60s and 70s all said... All the old blokes that worked in those times said, for every sheep you push down a porthole after you shore it, you could buy a pot of beer and a packet of matches. Now, a pot of beer is roughly $5. A packet of matches would be $0.60. Cents, and we're getting, well, the award is $3.25. So we're, we're, well, we're well down in real terms. But then sheep... Sizes through genetic breeding of bigger sheep have probably increased since the 70s by up to 30% in body size and weight, and they're getting more sheep off. So we're we're actually providing uh, productivity increases simply because you know, <laughs> every sheep you shear is bigger and it's getting more you're getting more wool off it. But we're not seeing those increases, and some of the reason why the, the principal union in the um, shearing industry is the Australian Workers Union, and they're renowned for being a lapdog union, and we broke away from the, uh, the Australian Workers Union in 1994 and formed the Shearing Workers Union. And unfortunately, uh, through the Labor Party and other things, and the, the the backing of the National Farmers Federation, we've been excluded from being a party to the award, so we can't actually vary the award ourselves. And that's one of the reasons. So, um, unfortunately, that's in a stacked position where we cannot do anything about. Tell me about the uh, ratio of the people that are working through contractors and people who are working for themselves or as a group themselves. Well, look, there's always been, and I can't give you a definite answer about ratios, yeah. But there's always been people that have exclusively worked for contractors. There's always been people that exclusively work for cockies. And there's always been people that actually will shear for contractors some part of the year and have their own cocky run other parts of the year. That's how it works, yeah. Now, um, here's an interesting thing. Two days ago, I was notified by a contractor who was approached by a farmer to... Um, to do a job, it was going to be the job was going to go for uh, a bit over a week and a half for five shears, and he agreed to do it. He organised the workers. He rang up um, a couple of days ago 
to, to organise the start for this coming Monday. Yep. And the cocky announced that he already had a team in and they will be finished by that Monday. So this is what farmers also do, is they organise, they might have a couple of contractors and um, and um, they just take the, the, the contractor that can start when they want to start, which is pretty bizarre. So they can't be held to uh, account? No, because it's all verbal. No longer is there any written contracts or anything like that. It's, it's just basically, basically a, a verbal agreement that you'll provide men to start on a certain day. So it wouldn't be going too far to say that when we get all these media reports in the city that they're bleating and yep. they're using their uh, oh. political power to oppress people effectively. Oh, it, it's, in the, it's a story that's been rolling through the Australian landscape for probably 160 or 70 years. Ever since um, slavery, ever, ever since slavery was outlawed by the use of con or the, the ending of the uh, the transportation system with convicts, or when they stopped the um, the, the blackbird is bringing in the connect. You're listening to Stick Together, Worker Stories and Union News, broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. That's it for Stick Together this week. If you want to catch up with the show, we are podcast at 3cr.org.au and on iTunes and Spotify. If you want to drop us a line, email us on sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. And until next week, remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there is a union for you. And stick together. One, two, three, four!
Worn down by the landowners The shearers called it off They would knock you off their dreams They would strike again The spirit of the shearer Man had live until the end Now blind by the man From met but others They were not Worn down by the landowners The shearers called it off they would not give up their dreams, they would strike the end The spirit of the shearing man had live unto the end Now blind by the band, to the man of this they were not Worn down by the land, or this the shearers called it off They would not give up their dreams, they would strike the end The spirit of the shearing man had live unto the end The spirit was banished, and standing by a mice A battle against so vicious and exploitative lights Now hear the sound of the well night Cheers, strike, cheers, strike, we are young and free Cause the world always needs a new, a quiz and quality Cheers, strike, cheers, strike, 1891 Cheers, strike, cheers, strike, we are young and free